Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Replatform podcast. A uh, slightly different episode today in that I'm in Miami on a half vacation, half work trip. And I asked Alex, who's been on the podcast before, I think earlier this year. Mm. Yep. Um, to do an in-person episode um, to talk about last week's Shopify Enterprise Summit, which we both attended and I think both are super interesting. Um, so Alex has kindly welcomed me into his lovely home here, which is definitely the nicest place I've recorded a podcast. Um, so just to kind of intro last week's Shopify um, Enterprise Summit. So essentially Shopify invited a lot of their kind of larger partners globally and partners that are new to the ecosystem that are likely to be more focused on that kind of more enterprise segment um, to a conference venue in LA. Um, and they talked a bit about the products, talked a bit about kind of how they're going to change how they operate, a little bit about the partner program, that kind of stuff. Um, I found it super interesting because it's a very different narrative and a completely different level of energy from Shopify. I don't know if you agree with that, Alex. Do you agree with that? Yeah, so um, yeah, super super interesting seeing them kind of yeah talk differently. But we'll come on to kind of why and some of the more specific bits. Um, so first question for you, Alex, kind of following on from that. So it felt like there was a clear message to the kind of SI partners that were there, basically saying that you guys need to step up. Like we're kind of moving into this enterprise space. We're investing significantly in R and D and improving the product, improving like go to market like all the commercial aspects um, to kind of target the biggest retailers in the world. Um, and it kind of felt like they were saying to the partners, you need to step up alongside us in order to work on these kind of big deals with us and, you know, continue to, um, yeah, win the same level of uh, kind of projects that they're going to be winning. Yeah. Um, lots of talk around things like M&A, investment, building out new teams in order to kind of get these agencies to the level where they want them to be and it feels like they're being quite loyal to some of those existing partners but equally asking them to kind of grow with them yeah. um you guys are obviously you know you become part of born and tech mahindra um you've been working with shopify probably longer than anyone or most agents is like is have you seen this is this a similar message to kind of your hearing yeah i think you're right the the adults have arrived and, yeah. uh, in the form of Deloitte, Accenture, Wall uh, and TechM, who we're a part of, and all the other bigger, more enterprisey um, SIs and agencies. So it definitely felt like that, dif- a bit different, and definitely pitched at um, getting us all to cater to that enterprise market a bit more. Interestingly, the the actual vibe of the event was a bit more like the old Unite, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, a really cool venue, although in a bit of a questionable area. <laughs> um, but the actual uh, content and, and meeting of people and happy hours and all that stuff felt a bit more like reminiscent of pre-COVID yeah. Unite, but with uh, more big players around. And of the agencies that have not been gobbled up into bigger entities, um, I think maybe a bit of a message that they need to um, raise the game a little bit yeah. to be an enterprise world. And then to the enterprise uh, agencies to say it is profitable to build on Shopify. Yeah. And they had some good facts about number of deals they closed. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think there were some good numbers around like them versus some of the other enterprise players. Um, and there was like a bit of an underlying theme that we just talked about then 
they like essentially talking about how the average deal size in the Shopify space is moving up as well, which I think is a bit of a message to some. Yeah, we've definitely ever since day one always felt like that the the edge, this the, the price going up. We talked about it a bit before, but like I remember Shopify products being like twenty thousand, then fifty thousand, hundred thousand, then two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, and we're doing million dollar Shopify projects now. So that's something that has definitely shifted in the last few years. I think as the opportunity has got bigger on Shopify, you're getting these bigger SIs coming in. So um, it, it, it is good news. And that we've all of us in the Shopify space have known that this is the, the, the trend that's going to keep happening, which is Shopify gobbles up more of a lunch from higher up the market. Second time said gobble. Um, and uh that's great for anyone in the ecosystem it's great yeah and i think like, i used to work a lot with magento pre-adobe and it you know the exact same thing happened there and as much as it didn't work out as well as i think shopify will um but they had to mature the ecosystem when they started to service those bigger builds and i think you know there's different things that did come along with that like even like offshoring was something that i talked to a few people at shopify about i think they need to kind of build some of that stuff like yeah, they need to build an ecosystem that can scale to, yeah, builds that are in the millions and retailers that are doing in the billions. So I think they're making the right moves. Um, and then on that topic, so uh, Liam and I, so Liam from our team came to the event as well. Um, so we've joked quite a lot about kind of Bobby's levels of aggression and, you know, how he might operate in meetings and things like that. Um but equally, on a serious note, it feels like, you know, he's driving a lot of this change and he's had a massive impact on the roadmap, like go to market, even like some of the hiring recently within Shopify. Um, is this something you've seen as well from like an SI perspective? And do you think that, you know, a lot of it's coming from him? Yeah. They're definitely shipping stuff faster, it feels like. And I think they were... I don't know. I don't know why it took so long, but I wonder if they've been re-engineering some of the primitive um, yeah. data formats and things, and, and getting it in a position where they could build out some of these features because they're finally getting things like multi-currency more right to what the market actually needs. Yeah. So it did feel like during after the post-COVID kind of shake-up, there was a bit of um, they seem to have got a bit of, kick, of a kick up the ass and, and changed things up a little bit, which has been interesting to watch and. The pop, like the way I would explain our agency and pretty much all our peers is we fill the gap. So when someone wants to use Shopify, we help them figure out like, okay, these things the platform natively does, um, but these things are going to need us to build or engineer or bend the platform. And it seems like we're getting to a point now, and this is our technical director that said this, Serge, that we're more experts on knowing the platform even more than ever. Yeah. And not just trying to hack it and bend it to get that last 5% of functionality. Yeah. Crown Peak, enabling organizations to build meaningful digital experiences for everyone everywhere. Engage your customers with our content management system. Reach your entire audience with our digital accessibility and quality tools. And grow your brand with our product discovery solution. Find out more at crownpeak.com. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree with that. Um, and then kind of related like that kind of first talk when we first came to the event there were there were a few slides that detailed i think it was like literally everything that everyone in the room wanted 
from a kind of functional oh, kind yeah. areas. The teaser. Exactly, yeah. Areas that kind of, you know, needed to be improved. So lots of kind of new features and uh, priorities that were announced uh, as part of that. Like what were some of the things that you were, yeah, most excited about, most interested about, and yeah, they're going to have the biggest impact for you. So we've always specialized in international on Shopify and that's going to get a lot easier now. They're going to have support for multiple business entities within Shopify payments, which is great because any enterprise brand that's operating internationally is going to have different uh, bank accounts, different regulatory requirements, um, and a need to customize at the, the, the national level. So that is awesome because that's another thing that we were doing multi-store for years and you know which worked and was very effective but it's nice to have more native support for that type of thing and i think it that's a sign of maturity in shopify which is they went from oh this platform is super easy to use and we have commodified e-commerce which got them the first 10 years of success and was much needed in the space and then now there was a lot of things like this that they tried in the past and it always felt like, hang on, that's not how these businesses really operate, yeah. right? Like, for example, the way we did one of the earliest multi-currencies where um, it was just going off at FX rate yeah. stuff, which, you know, no real international business can operate like that. They have uh, recommended resale prices, uh, wholesale and all that stuff. So it finally, it's like someone stopped and said, right, we're now going to maybe go out the building and ask that those businesses what, what, um, what their functional requirements are, and now they're building more to them. So uh, that was good. Uh, the other thing I had down was splitting payments, splitting cart, splitting payments, yeah. which that's another thing we've built a lot in the past. So pre-orders, deposits, um, different order types within the same cart, but that's pretty yeah. useful. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, alongside that as well, they demoed um, some of the multi-channel stuff as well with the split shipments, which I thought was pretty cool. Like we've uh, James and I have been working with a client recently where they're pretty, they've got 230 stores, pretty heavily multi-channel focused their roadmap. And there were some bits that I think would have been fairly hacky with Shopify, but it was quite nice to see like the workflows of like how it's actually going to work from a customer perspective where, you know, things like ship from store and also um, the equivalent with pause as well, which is pretty cool. Um, I also had the oh staging environment. Yeah. So that might seem kind of uh, esoteric, but the idea there, for anyone who doesn't know, is normally in a uh, production software environment, you have the live version of the site, so the production version, but you also have the one you're working on, on called the development version. But you also have a staging site, which is like the one way you deploy upcoming features and releases so that it can be reviewed by everyone and is also something that matches the production configuration and data, which just means your QA is much better. It's easier to collaborate, um, test out new things before you go live. And they haven't had that for years. And again, we've worked around it and built multiple environments and so on, um, but they have native support for it now. So uh, that, that, again, thinking about enterprise, just another step towards being a truly uh, enterprise yeah. product. And um, without linking it all to kind of Bobby, because obviously he was kind of, you know, presented around the time where they started to change that thing. Uh, similarly to Adgen, it feels like some of that stuff has actually lost key stakeholders for Shopify, some of the big deals. Like if you talk to a CIO, a CTO, a head of engineering, um, 
and you present like you know uh previewing themes or having a completely different environment that isn't actually the same um you know some of that stuff will literally lose those stakeholders so it feels like mm-hmm. someone has just kind of gone yeah in those deals you always have this uh wizened slightly grumpy uh yeah. but very capable uh technical lead on the yeah. client side who's been in the business for 20 or 30 years and they have these things that they just expect yeah. that Shopify wasn't doing and it's now happening, which is great because even if technically it doesn't matter, certainly in an RFP on paper, it doesn't. Um, I also wrote uh, the order lifecycle management is pretty yeah. good, that's all improving. But if you have anything you want to say on that, well, I'm intrigued to see. I think again, it's, it's probably not something that has been too much of a blocker, but I think it's something that add a lot of value um, to e com teams, and I think um, it's the kind of thing. Like there's a few other bits around order management, or order routing, uh, and like, and like I think there there was mention of the inventory against markets, like being able to assign um, an inventory source against market. Like some of those things, like they're probably not blockers, but yeah, they're just things that like a platform service in the enterprise should have. Totally, yeah. And then segmentation was the other one. Which, how do you feel about their sort of CRM capabilities over the past few years? I feel like, I mean, to be honest, like, I feel like the top brands on Shopify are probably, you know, things like Shopify email, some of that stuff they're not going to use. I think the top brands will have a CDP or like an enterprise CRM um, and that would be like the master for customer data. But I feel like, and I guess like I've done quite a few evaluations against Salesforce with Shopify and I think some of the stuff like uh, Salesforce's concept of campaigns where you can, you know, segment customers and then show them complete different content on the front end, um, and you can like schedule uh, content, all of that kind of stuff. Like that goes against Shopify as well. It's a bit like the staging environment, and I wouldn't say it's a blocker. I wouldn't say that many people are actually going to get huge amounts of value from it. But again, I feel like there's teams that really care about that stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, in terms of like CRM generally, I feel like. One of the big things that I love about Shopify is how easy it is to get data out of Shopify. And it feels like to me that, uh, you know, in that same kind of composable principle, it's that I always feel like you should have something that's more specialist or best in class around customer data. Mm. But it's, you know, it needs to be easy for Shopify to, you know, pass the best quality data out into those systems. And I think this will be part of that as well. As you kind of build richer data, you know, um, with their examples, uh, one of the examples I think was around gender, where based on how people use in the side, they were essentially dynamically building segments and changing the front end. But that segment there could be passed down into a CDP or a CRM. So I think all of that stuff super valuable, but it feels like a lot of it needs to happen. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I do think one of their strategic missteps was not being prepared for the, you know, uh, Armageddon, Cookie Armageddon, Facebook, Meta, Google yeah. kind of data wars that really screwed up a lot of DTC brands. And I think they released audiences after that. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt like that, if I was to criticize them, which is beyond my pay grade, but um, I'll do it anyway. Uh, they, if they'd seen that come in, all this stuff could have been done a few years before. And then you would not have been so dependent on Facebook to. Facebook's data, and eventually they were cut off from that for, for, through Apple. Um, 
That was what I'm talking yeah. about, the, the, the iOS changes. So it's good, but it would have been nice to have it before, and then that would have accelerated a lot of... Actually, I think this is a good example that isn't really enterprise, because as you say, enterprise, all that stuff's in the system. Even if that's not the best idea, you're not going to get it through corporate and shift it anyway. Yeah. Whereas in the mid-market and high-growth brands, um, this stuff is crucial, and they'll use the tools that are available and those guys could have been helped out, I think, with this a few years ago. Yeah. But. Elastic Path is on a mission to break through the barriers that prevent commerce leaders from delivering extraordinary shopping experiences. Both business and tech teams are able to innovate on their own terms, fully embrace composability, and in turn, never compromise on what's possible. Learn more at www.elasticpath.com. Yeah, I still feel like that's actually an area where Shopify could be stronger. Like, I think, you know, the majority of brands will use, the majority of our clients use Elevas, use little data, but essentially what they're doing could very easily be, you know, part of Shopify's offering in terms of like building out like really strong server-side tracking, like, yeah, thinking more around kind of how you attribute value back out. Um, and then even like the new checkout, like it's so hard to add the events and things like that. And you need to use a solution like Elevar. It feels like Shopify could definitely, that's an area where Shopify could strap it a little bit. Mm. It'd be for all, they could just buy Elevar or yeah, equivalent. Um, so that, if any others you want to add to that one? No, I think mean, that's a main thing. It was interesting to see the roadmap, but you know, yeah. we never get days, we never get certainty. Which... That's the next question. Um, so obviously okay. Shopify, their biggest, uh, I think the biggest thing that you could criticize Shopify for, they've obviously made huge strides over the last two, three years, but it is frustrating as a partner, even for us as a consultancy, like more so for you guys, but not being able to give a date for some of the like massive things that they're working on, like the multi-payouts being a good example right now. Um, given that, you know, some of these things are literally like the enterprise deals will hang in the balance off the back of some of this stuff like do you think you know the way they've been in the past it might take two years to get something out do you think that change now um yeah given you put um, yeah i don't know i can't see them ever giving dates it just seems like a thing that they don't do um, yeah i think it's a very sass thing uh, yeah. i guess that's the difference of maybe an older system is a bit more rooted in a different type of I don't know, culture or software like yeah. development lifecycle, where Shopify is a bit more like re um, release often, continuous deployment, but also we're not going to tell you when stuff's happening, which I don't think matters too much to us. To brands, I think it could be annoying to pay for something to be built that then is released natively, although it doesn't normally do exactly what they need when it's released. Um, uh, the other thing is, and this has got a lot better, but uh, it's, it, it's better for the partners to know slightly ahead of the merchants because then, and the Shopify ecosystem is huge and it's always been a principal strategy of Shopify that the ecosystem's uh, GDP, I suppose, or you know, whatever you call it, market cap or uh, productivity is bigger than Shopify and Shopify is just capturing a part of it and there's thousands of businesses that make a living on Shopify. Um and I think that it would be good, all of us at service clients, it would make us look better if we knew just a little bit ahead of the curve of what's going on and we're able to adjust it. Uh, the excuse I've heard in the past, which I think it's probably not true, is um, that it's a public company and they can't reveal stuff. But 
it doesn't seem like there must be a way around that. Yeah. The other, like, you know, the sales force in the past, yeah. being public companies, may have been slightly better. Um, but I think, I think, I feel like that kind of needs to change with some of the real major bits, like the multi payouts bits, because I do feel like that, you know, that one in particular has, you know, been coming soon or next quarter for a long time. And I feel like that can, it can either be a blocker for bringing a customer over and, you know, the, yeah, or um, it's something that can cause for. That makes me think. So, so the, there's been a few previous announcements where it's taken like ages for the thing to go live. Yeah, like sometimes years. And it does feel like going back to your question just about the feel and the pace of change and stuff. It does feel like that's changed, right? Like, yeah. There used to be like there'd be two unites, so like two years of announcements, and the the last one hadn't yeah. been done. That feels like it's changing, which is great. Yes, yeah. yeah it, but yeah, I agree. Anything that is going to be significant engineering work for a brand, yeah. It would be good to let them know ahead of time. Absolutely, yeah. I think the, um, the perfect example of what you just described is markets, because as they started to, uh, you know, introduce things like price books and get slightly better with localization, um, I feel like the pace was, like you said, pretty slow for a long time. They're gradually iterating away, and it feels like the last year that's completely changed. Uh, the amount of improvements to markets is, yeah, pretty significant. And, you know, even like some of the stuff they're trying to build into like Marcus Pro, like it feels like they're moving much faster now on yeah. stuff that's probably going to move the needle for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so next question, um, and we've kind of touched on this um, in terms of like the, I guess, main, like primarily SI partnerships, but partners generally, mm. um, clearly feels like Shopify are trying to, that whole event is geared around you know, telling, or maybe like 50%, 50% of it, like you say, is kind of luring the enterprise, starting to like set expectations and, um, you know, build awareness of the growth within the bigger retailers around Shopify. Um, but then I'd say the other piece was definitely the smaller partners, be that tech or SIs, saying, come on, like, come with us, like, you know, build out, go and hire, like, broader people to be able to service more of these bigger projects etc mm-hmm. like i think you know think beyond um a theme build for a smaller company and more towards like a bit of a transformation project mm-hmm. um like what's your kind of view on how this will look in 12 18 20 oh, i thought you were going to say years well yeah i mean it no <laughs> that wouldn't be impossible um yeah so that trend is that so if you think back to the like the first Unite, it was all these people like us that were these like e-commerce oddballs that yeah. ended up sort of realizing, hang on, Shopify is the way to go and backed it. And it was an immense amount of value creation uh, and money made during that era. But we were growing up and it was, there were, every year there was new announcements of bigger and bigger brands on Shopify and almost like a bit of a gasp when certain brands yeah. would move to Shopify. And it feels like, again, speaking of eras, that the, that that era is over and we're going into this. Now, Shopify is becoming the dominant player and the the question for any brand should be, why would you not use Shopify? That should be like the first question. And there's probably some cases, but um, that um, shift has taken a decade to get to that point. So now we're at that point. Um, You've got the, the the higher up market, and I think yeah, like you say, it's just a slightly different um, 
capability that you need as a, as a supplier. And we're going to get more enterprise players, bigger players, and like you say, bigger um, digital transformation projects that are not just, we need a new website, but uh, we need new ERP, we're changing CRM and all the associated complexities with that, which does require a lot of people. It's expensive to do and it's hard to do, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's, um, again, like that was like a bit of a sub message. Um, so that makes sense. And then next question. So you guys are fairly associated with the headless world and you've, you know, um, launched a few of the more high profile headless builds like an American and various others. Um, how are you feeling about that whole space? Um, in terms of like, you know, there was, there's been some new stuff around hydrogen over the last few months. Um, and it feels like actually over the last maybe six to 12 months, the liquid side's got stronger. Um, are you still as kind of bullish on headless generally? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's right for most brands um, because it's very, the analogy I always use, and people have heard me talk about this, probably heard this before, but it's like having a Ferrari instead of a nice Audi or BMW. It's like you, most people just don't need it. Uh, and it's expensive, difficult to run. Um, but some people do. And so Good American's a good example. We're doing super well through that site. We had Ryan in LA uh, talking about the success they've had on it. And that was the reason we did it was, uh, one of the reasons was the amount of content and immersive shopping that we were doing. So with video and images and all that being combined with products, which is just hard to do without a dedicated CMS uh, and a super fast front end. So very happy with that project. Um, but I think it, I mean, that's a big brand, right? So you've got to be a certain level where you've, you, you have the, um, well, the, the, the capital first of all to invest in it, but also the understanding of what you need to do. Um, and normally there is a, a something specific that's hard to do. In that case, it was, yeah. um, the content make sure it all together there's normally one thing where you just can't do it on yeah. um on a uh a mon- so-called monolithic platform so um yeah it's good S- same as i've felt the past few years that it's right for some people yeah probably not but is um it is interesting as well like, i think shopify also is a bit of a variable because like you know liquid and some of the native capabilities of in shopify get so strong now including you know sections uh and you know, the cms capabilities like they taught the big sec- uh scheduling's coming soon as well, some massive win um and it is interesting because we've spent quite a lot of time looking at century recently which is growing pretty quickly you know challenging shopify for some of those like upper mid-market fashion brands specifically and in the central world, you have to go headless. And it's like you look at some of the brands that are choosing to go with Centra and choosing to go headless. And actually, I guess they're kind of prioritizing look and feel and like brand experience over like, you know, velocity and speed and roadmap. And it's, I think Shopify makes it quite difficult just because of quite how like agile and, you know, easy the alternative is. Well, so yeah, I think it's, um, it is interesting, but equally, I, my hope is that hydrogen will just, you know, I guess, bridge the gap a bit. And yeah. And- well, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad they released it. And our strategy has always been to try and stay as close to Shopify convention as possible. Yeah. And it felt like the first year or two, it 
with the storefront API. Well, storefront API is quite old actually, but um, the first couple of years of like headless being a buzzword, we were building everything out from scratch, and it's nice to have a something to build upon. It's like their best practice, yeah. a bit closer to the. Um, yeah, I think it, yeah, it's great. Yeah, makes sense. And then one of the biggest things that's changed around Shopify recently, I think, particularly if you're like big commerce or some of the other platform is the introduction of the kind of new B2B offering and then, I guess, just gradual improvement of that. And there was some new stuff kind of announced but not yet released um, at the summit as well around B2B and wholesale. Um, I personally feel like it's going to grow really quickly and I think Shopify are definitely trying to, like, you know, win a few big B2B cases and kind of prove themselves and then go a bit more aggressively after this. Um like, what's your view on it? Is this going to be a big focus for we make websites? Like, do you see it as a big opportunity? Big. We we definitely get asked to do it again. Most brands of a certain size have probably got a wholesale function that they need to do B two B for. Um, so we'll definitely make that easier. I don't know how much we're going to sort of position ourselves or do any marketing around. There's quite a lot of very boring but very lucrative yeah. industries that this will be disrupt, disrupting to use the, the cliche. And um, there's probably some companies that are very well poised to do that. Don't think that's us just because we've always had this Venn diagram of like brand uh, uh, technology capability and e-commerce capability that it, it definitely is in there and we can do it. But I think there'll be other people better positioned to go after yeah. people selling, you know, plumbing supplies and yeah. stuff B2B. But it's good they finally nailed it because that was another thing where they had a couple of false starts with yeah, um, yeah. yeah. sell channel and yeah that makes sense I guess and yeah I guess there'll be agencies that maybe their teams are geared towards some of the like you know um, what's the word like uh, unraveling like complexity and maybe you know catalog and spending a lot of time discovering like ERP stuff versus building the brand experiences and you know like investing more time and money into the front hand yeah. um, so yeah that's a good point uh, I've got one more general point over that which yeah. is just uh, in enterprise which is we haven't really defined it have we how would you define it they, they defined it as uh, over one two five online I think yeah that's okay. how they've defined it okay so within that you've got two types of business you've got those that have been around for let's say 10 years or less when you've got all the rest yeah and i think they're quite different yeah. so if you are um an instagram brand let's say yeah then you're you're probably not sitting on legacy systems yeah you've got a relatively small team considering gmv you're doing and you're able to make the most of all this releases that we've been talking about um Thing for the, the other older companies, which make up most of the market cap, I suppose, of that sector, um, you're dealing with things like the fact that someone's been in, in that job as the procurement manager for 20 years, right? Or they've been using this system for 30 years, or they've got this weird esoteric requirement that no one knows why it's like that, and it just is. Which uh, Shopify and and... I personally agree with this. We're often sort of trying to challenge, like, well, why do you need, why do, you need to do it that way? Yeah. Um, and I, I find with a lot of these products that you get in with a, a, a brand and it's like everything works except this one thing and they won't budget. 
There's one example I had once of a, a big bike company and would have been huge. And they wouldn't change something to do with pricing. They just meant we couldn't use Shopify, basically. And even today, I think you'd struggle to use it, actually. And if it just changed the rules on that one thing, we could have probably done the project. And so a enterprise is all about dealing with that. And as long as Shopify can like keep the flexibility to make those things possible, I think that will be a big part. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I think in terms of like definition of the enterprise, I was just thinking about why you were talking. I mean, I would define it completely differently. But the thing that I guess you've got to remember from Shopify's perspective is they made their money as a result of GMV. Yeah. So I personally would define yeah. enterprise more around like company size, like turnover, like some of those things. Yeah. But I guess actually for Shopify, it's more about the revenue going through the platform. I think that's an excellent point. Yeah, because it's high growth, which is your Instagram brand that's you know doing over one two five, which yeah looks totally different to a public company yeah. that sells into ninety countries. It'll be really interesting to see if at any point they move away, or not necessarily move away from that pricing model, but like with um, components, you know, there's question marks about how they're going to price it. But it like when you, so I used to work quite a lot with Adobe, um, and there were quite a few variables around their pricing based on how big the business was, not just like GMV. Because I guess, like you said, I think doing a deal, so that is a brand that I can think of in my head. Um, that I used to work with, their revenue is not crazy, but the whole business is so like intertwined with like the most complex SAP implementation imaginable. Um, you know, they've probably got 70 major stakeholders that would need to be on board for them to make a change. And then, you know, to put Shopify in would be, yeah, it's so much work in order to get that right. over the line. But if they're doing 10 million online, like, it wouldn't be worth Shopify's, like on paper, you know, it's a big win. For, as a brand, but actually, the way that Shopify are going to look at it, it has to just be GMV. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be helpful to have two definitions, wouldn't it? Yeah. But that's like the age old thing. And, you know, post that on LinkedIn, you'll get 500 comments and everyone's got a view on it. Um, so, yeah, there's no right answer. Um, and then, last question like anything else, you know, off the back of the event, or, you know, you spend a lot more time with Shopify than I do. Like anything else that you're particularly impressed with, surprised with, found interesting recently? Um, I think that we already talked about it a little bit, but it's all, there's always been fabulous people in our industry, whether that's in Shopify or, or in our, in, in the partner ecosystem. And, nice to have everyone back together and there's a bit of an analogy with the kind of pre and during and post COVID blip in e-commerce that like if you if I didn't know the last four years three years whatever had happened it felt sort of the same but more grown up I suppose and um, it's good to see things back on track yeah Uh, I I think it's in general I spoke to a few people off the back of that event and like I've been to quite uh, over the years, like doing a lot of evaluation stuff. I've been to quite a lot of equivalents of the Shopify event for different platforms, and I feel like usually when there's this level of change, there's like resistance, like fear, you know, lots of people going to the platform and like complaining that they're not getting enough leads or not enough exposure to certain people, etc. Whereas like every single person I've spoke to coming off the back of that event has been like insanely positive and they've come back they've come away and be like right i need to step my game up 
um, you know, Shopify have clearly said there's on the yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah, that people love to like moan about things that they're doing. And I guess it's like we're at the whim of them so much. Yeah. Um, and it's like when you sell a deal, like everyone thinks, oh, we sold it for Shopify. Shopify would be like, oh, we sold it and you're doing the work. So it was always like a funny thing. Um, but yeah, it's like, you're right. We did leave it feeling like actually this is huge. Like that fact about the number of, do you remember what it was? The number? Yeah, was it like the other platform that was like 40 to 1? Yeah, 40 to 1. Every Can't remember what the actual. It was for every deal Shopify lose in either mid market or enterprise, they win 40. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is just crazy. And you can kind of feel it, right? Like it's not yet reflected in the share price or anything, but you could just feel like even just brands that we see coming onto it every day or here that our peers are putting onto it. They're like, wow, like I I wouldn't have thought they would be using Shopify. so very positive and, and good for the industry. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, great. Well, yeah, I've really enjoyed uh, recording this episode. Super interesting, as always, chatting to you about Shopify. Um, as always, thanks for listening. And please do like or share this episode. I can't remember the channels that James usually references, but uh, on the Apple podcast and Spotify and all the other ones. Um, and then if you've got any questions or like requests for other episodes, please just email myself or James. Uh, lastly, if someone wanted to contact you, how would they go about? Um, Alex at WeMet website. Great. Well, thanks for listening. And yeah, we'll be back soon. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.